What's up, Internet? This is your boy, DJ Ben Amin, and we've got an awesome episode of Fan Bros headed up. But before we get to that, make sure you head over to fanbros.com. Check out all the great content there. Articles, reviews, podcasts. It's awesome. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, Internet, to another episode of Fan Bros. The show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Benjamin, a.k.a. the Butcher of Names, the Kevin Bacon of the Internet, the Captain Kirk of the Spaceship, and I am in the building tonight, joined by... Tatiana King-Jones, who doesn't have enough AKAs, because uh, you just blew me out the water with that, son. And I didn't even do them all, but you know, sometimes You I'm did hyped. all of them, almost. Almost. You know, I left out the Willie Green of hip-hop, though. You know, there's always more. Yeah, I never even heard that one. Oh, you know, I got to speak the truth when I'm on the airways. That's well, what I do, brother. Well, people also know me as the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Aurora of the Spaceship, also known as the Stiletto Stunner. Yes. And as you heard before, we are also joined by... Chico Leo. Who's got no new nicknames for 2015? <laughs> the Brooklyn Wookie. The Brooklyn Wookie. The Jaguar Prince. The other Roblo. The other Rob. Yeah. <laughs> the other Roblo. That's classic. Well, that's right, folks. This is Fan Bros Show, the voice of the Urban Geek Award winning, as always. And we have a special guest tonight, a guest so special that I'm going to let Tatiana introduce him. Yes, I'm so excited for this man right now. We have the incredible Mr. Tanahasi Coates. Tanahasi is the senior editor for The Atlantic and has contributed to The New York Times Magazine, The Washington Post, Washington Monthly, O, Time Magazine, and many, many others. He said that he's won his writing to leave people with a haunting feeling, and his 15,000-word essay, The Case for Reparations, was a perfect example of this ideal. So everybody, welcome to Fanbros, Tanahasi Coates to the spaceship. All right, all right, yeah. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Thanks for having me. Right, welcome. <laughs> you seem taken aback by that intro right there. I am. I am. And, it's, it's, and you know what it is? It, it was the uh, it was the uh, the applause. That I think that's what it was. It was the cheering <laughs> from the adoring masses out there. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. must be used to that by now. Like every time you walk out of the house, people must be like, "Yes!" Yeah, there's a crowd of people standing out there every time I walk outside. Exactly. <laughs> right. Not sure if they're always cheering though, right? But they're there. <laughs> All right, well, I got this quote from you I have to put in here, and I hope I don't, you know, butcher your words that much. Mm -hmm. Okay. The early American economy was built on slave labor. The Capitol and the White House were built by slaves. President James K. Polk traded slaves from the Oval Office. The laments about black pathology, the criticism of black family structures by pundits and intellectuals, ring hollow in a country whose existence was predicated on the torture of black fathers, on the rape of black mothers, on the sale of black children. An honest assessment of America's relationship to the black family reveals the country to be not its nurturer, but its destroyer. Wow. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah, you did, <laughs> bro. Yeah, you did. Move you did that. Works, man. Mm, Damn. Hold that. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, the, after reading something like that, my question is, how does anyone opposed to the idea of reparations have anything to say to you after that one? Well, honestly, I don't think they have much to say to me. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I, and that's not even like um. That's nothing about me, right? I mean, I, that's more like you know, I spent quite a bit of time researching that article. So, I mean, all of that is not just like like all once you know you get to, 
like when you're crafting an article like that, I mean, that, once you get to that sort of rhetorical high point like that, I mean, that's cool. But what's behind that is a bunch of research. Like by the time I said something like that, if you was reading that article, I would have hit you with like a like I just would have ambushed you with facts and figures and numbers and, and that sort of thing, you know. And so um, by that point in the article, you know, it, it's basically irrefutable. And so I've been in a lot of debates with people over that. And I, you know, there's not really much that can be said as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, I've yet to find, you know, uh, anyone, you know, with a, with a real argument against it. And again, I, I don't think that's, um, I think that that is less, a, less a testament to, you know, any skills that I have, uh, and more of a testament to just what the facts of American history actually are. And how those facts are kept from people. Mm-hmm. I think there's the the big thing is just to get people to read the article because anyone who read the article and saw all the facts and figures about the redlining and about mortgages not being offered and about black veterans after World War II not getting the same GI Bill that every other veteran got, all these other things, when you see them in black and white, you know, in, in print as facts, uh, you know, no pun intended, but it's just a matter of getting someone, getting the, the, the majority of people to sit down and, and read the article and get those facts. Because while the facts are out there, they're not what are taught in schools, you know? Yeah. They're, or they're not connected. You know, right. obviously, we people I mean, in America are taught that slavery existed, but they're not taught about the continuation of po- and, and official policies by the mm-hmm. government. Mm-hmm. I, and so I just think it's an issue of just getting people to... to, to confront those facts you know um yeah i, I don't know in, in yeah, terms not, of answering ben's question <laughs> yeah no and then the question is how do you get people to do that and um that i don't quite know right all right on a scale of one to 12 years a slave how tired are you being called a race baiter <laughs> <laughs> one i mean one you know i mean one of the great things about going to howard is like you just don't care you yes know, it's, it's kind of like howard gives you a world and that's your world and that's your base you know, um, I think, you know, what our writer from a different experience, and I mean a black writer from a different experience, had I, you know, gone to a, a you know, an Ivy League school, had I not, you know, had, and I'm not saying everybody that goes to Ivy League schools this way, but had I, had I not really had, I don't know, like a, a serious black family around me, black friends, like I, I didn't come to journalism to make friends. Like, you know, I had, I came to Atlantic in 2008, and by then, I had been writing for 12 years. You know, my life was what my life was going to be. You know, I got my wife, I got my son, and after that, you know, it really don't matter too much. You know, it's not like I expected people to, you know, be nice about this. Um, Don't bother me too much. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because that's been my problem. Like, whenever I, you know, start speaking up on social media or anything, or even on Fan Bros Show, I get, you know, oh, uh, race baiting, uh social justice warrior people who listen to fan bros say that yeah no but people will you know people will hunt you down on twitter if you you know like start talking about anything people will find your tweets and start going in on yeah. you yeah is what white i've people learned listen to the show no nah, but they find my tweets everybody <laughs> listens to the show white black everything republican democratic all over the world all over the world but you yeah. know they'll find you even if they don't listen so wait, let me ask you guys something how do you guys feel about the fact that like that diverse of an audience will listen to a show called fan bros we would hope, well, our our original goal and what we always say is that fan bros, you know, isn't a black thing or a white thing. It's racially ambiguous. It's it's, it's both yeah, male Yeah, but come and on. Female. Y'all was kind of thinking about that when y'all picked it, though, right? I mean. It's, we definitely want to show the diversity in geek culture. That's our main thing. We feel that geek culture isn't shown to be as diverse as it really is. Right. But even on our host, you know, we have Chico Leo, who's. 
He's a Puerto Rican Jew. Puerto Rican Jew. Right. You know. Rican. And then we have our two Howardites here. But yeah, we, you know, our listenership is everyone and we hope it's everyone. We just feel that there's just not enough voices from people of color, you know, being showing that they are geeks. But we want everyone to listen like I listen to Nerdist. You know, I don't think that, you know, because he's a white guy, I can't listen to him. Right. I think right. he's the great. Right, 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 right. All right. So, you know, you right now, a lot of people don't know this, but you come into us from Paris. So that's big time. And obviously you're in the location of where some recent terror terrorist attacks took place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this all this that's happening really brought on the idea that a journalist could be attacked for their words in the forefront. And it's actually related to something that Ice-T spoke about on freedom of speech, where he says you can have freedom of speech, but you need to watch what you say. Uh, The name of the album, Freedom of Speech, but Watch What You Say album. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a line that exists where... Like, you feel like people can cross the line, like, because it's all freedom of speech? Or do you think that there is a point where it's like, okay, this is just offensive and you're just writing it because you feel you can? No, I don't think there's a line. I think you should be able to say what you want to say. Um, I just think people need to understand that um, this is not like what happened here is not singular. Um, I mean, I, I went to the, to the protest that they had um, this, this, uh, this past week. Uh, I'm sorry, this weekend just passed. It was it was mm-hmm. on Sunday. And um it was sort of odd, right? Because like France is not like the home of freedom to express. I mean, there was a woman here, for instance, who's in our Marine Le Pen's right wing party, and she referred to a, an African American, not African American, a black woman, sorry, uh, who's in the legislator legislature here. Uh, you know, as a monkey. You know, now that's horrible, right? They put that woman in jail. <laughs> yeah. France did. They put her in jail. I mean, for making a racist joke. So I mean, it's not like, you know, France is like this, this sort of paradise of, of free speech, you know? Um, so I just, I just don't want it to, to get reduced to this. You know I mean? The disrespect, you know, uh, of, of speech and, and, you know, the sort of, you know, we will penalize you, you know, um, or we will, even we will kill you, you know, for things you say. Um, that's not something that Islam or even, even you know, uh, terrorists or even, you know, Islamist terrorists, you know, uh, 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 violent you know, uh, 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 a sociopath invented. You know, it's always a problem. It's, all, it's always a problem. Um, so in that sense, I, I think it deserves that context, you know? I like the cartoon that you retweeted this morning about it, where the cartoonist was saying that, yeah, you know, free speech is one thing, but like you said, this is just not like an isolated incident, and we have to ask ourselves, what is it about Muslims right now in the world that makes them so angry and so not ready to accept, you know, any, I mean, other than that it's in their religion, don't draw any images of Muhammad, you know, but why is it that they're so, you know, what is it that's causing all this strife and these terrorist attacks beyond no, I, just a cartoon? I, yeah, I know. I mean, you can stand there and, and the feeling all you want, you know, but um, at the end of the day, you got to try to figure it out. I, I, you know, I totally agree with that. You know, it's one thing's why I'm trying to do while I'm here. Um, I want to go back a little bit um, because that quote that I mean read earlier was actually related to um, your 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 article about reparations and stuff, and and that's actually also been recently in the news because um, you have people like Azalea Banks uh, putting that to the forefront on her Twitter. Um, do yeah, you, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So oh, d- d- out of all people, out of all yeah. people, right? So you know, I do want to get your feedback on you know how you feel about that whole big blow up with her and. Also, like, do you think like politicians would step up to the plate to, to do something like that or or even n- 
whether it's public organization or non-public uh, political organization would step up to, to, to reparations and things like that? Or well, I'll, t- I'll take the last one first. Right, right. now, no. Um, no, um, I, I, this is, you know, and that's, that's kind of the thing. I mean, you, you have to write, you know, sort of, sort of for the future, you know, you write, you know, for what, you know, as a writer, like your, your job is to live in a world of imagination. You can't just like live within, you know, what, what can overcome a 60 volt filibuster. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Azalea Banks, I'm, I'm not clear on what's happening right now with her and Iggy Azalea. I've kind of stayed out of that. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that she read it. I'm very happy she read it. Um, but you know, it's funny. I've been watching this. In fact, can you guys explain that to me? The beef? Yeah. All right. Short, <laughs> short, really short version of it is that uh, I can't really tell you, but you I, I, exp- it, it seems to be that, you know, there's Iggy Azalea and Azalea Banks and they have a beef from before when, before. Now, were they ever affiliated? No. No, they're not they affiliated. Just, they just have a similar name. At no point. They just no had point. the same. It, yeah. I, I don't want, it's hard to reduce down to just one thing, but the main overarching theme is that Azalea sees Iggy as the grand appropriator of all things black culture. Is she? And she and that pisses her off to no end. Is she? Uh, not really. Yeah. I mean, no more than Vanilla Ice was, you know, no more than Elvis right. Presley. But I, I I think she's also but right, no more than all these other people, but at the fact is she she feels that not enough people are pushing against the fact that she yeah. is an appropriator and all this other stuff. And that Iggy is being praised for all this stuff, whereas Azalea gets put down for for her what she believes is more um, more supreme level of thought, of some more supreme level of talent, so on and so forth. Mm. So that's a, in a nutshell. That's that's. I mean, like I said, it's it's not as it's a lot of more nuances to it, but that's their main beef. Y'all ever get tired of hip hop dudes beefing and women? I guess not just dudes. <laughs> hip hop cats beefing. Y'all ever just get tired? Yeah, it it it's at the point now where it feels like, you know, everything with everything else going on in the world, like I'm really happy for people like Jake Cole right now who has stepped up and, you know, made mm-hmm. he made a really powerful interview recently where he's like, you know, just because it's entertaining doesn't mean it's good like we were talking about before and mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's good for you. And so I feel like there's a slight shift, but hip hop is just built on that beef thing that I don't think that'll ever go away. And that really makes me kind of sad at this point. That's too bad. Yeah, That's too bad. Yeah, really is. Uh, what do you feel about the rising sentiment of white people being feeling now that they're being discriminated against? Like even you know, I mean, an Iggy Azalea can be like, you know, hey, I'm just doing my thing. You know, don't say I'm a cultural appropriator. And it's like, what? How do you feel about the word privilege and people reacting negatively to it? Well, I don't. I don't use the word privilege. I, I use the word racist and racism. I, <laughs> like, I, I do all the time, all the time, all the time. And white supremacy. I, you know, I, I try. And those are like things that you know, like I try to, because I feel like privilege is like sort of this way that we try to, you know, I'm not gonna call you a racist. I'm gonna say you need to recognize your privilege. Or this isn't racism. It's just that you're privileged. No, that's racism. It it's is problematic. You know, we, should, we should call it that. You know, um, I, I don't know. You know, white people. Um, have at least at least since the Civil War and probably longer been saying you're discriminating against me. I mean, if you go back and read like the primary documents before the Civil War, I mean, <laughs> and during the Civil War, I mean, one of the things these cats kept saying was they're going to make us into slaves. And these are people that are holding slaves, <laughs> and they're running around saying you guys are trying to make us into slaves. You know what I mean? After the Civil War, during Reconstruction, one of the first things they're against is quote unquote special rights for Black people. 
rights that'll, you know, give, you know, uh, black people, you know, a certain, you know, uh, uh, privileges that white people don't have. So this whole idea that, you know, real racism is racism against white people is actually not a new form. I mean, it's, it's pretty old. I mean, it's, it's what people do, you know, when they find themselves under attack. I mean, it's no different than when, you know, somebody says something about women and, and gender and somebody says something like, you know, well, men's rights, you know what I mean? What about men? I mean, it's, it's the same, you know, sort of thing, you know? So I don't know. It don't feel particularly new to me. Definitely. Do you feel that, like, you had a great statement on, I think it was an interview where you were talking about if you were born in the 1800s, you know, you wouldn't know anything but slavery. That's right. And That's that right. really struck me, because I'm sure I've thought of it before, but it never looked at, like, damn, you know, if I was there in 1800, I looked back 200 years, slaves, you know? Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. Ain't nothing bad but slaves. Granddaddy was a slave. Great granddaddy, slave. Yeah, you know, it's like, what was your, what was your daddy? Slave, you know? So um, my question is, do you think that, is it, is it that we're being short-sighted where we can't see an end to white supremacy? Or is that, is there any hope, you know? Do we, are we just, like I said, being too short-sighted right now? I think both. I mean, it might well be true that there's no hope. Uh, I mean, anybody that's going to be serious has to face that. It may well be true that white supremacy is going to be with America until, listen, <laughs> there are people are writing about the tradition of anti-Semitism right now in Europe. And I'm just a tradition. I mean, this dude went into, you know, a kosher butchery and, and shot it up. And that was just last week. Europe, this is 2015. Europe has been killing Jews for 2,000 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like 2,000 years. <laughs> you know that they've been dealing with that. So, you know, one has to at least seriously face the possibility that this ain't going away. This might be so core to what you know, the United States is that, that, that it's not going away. At the same time, at the same time, um, there's no real need to be like dour or to be, you know, sort of, uh, uh, I, I don't know, uh, to, to, to like wallow in despair about that, right? Uh, because at the same time, you know, 20 years before slavery disappeared, there was no clue that slavery was going to disappear. You wouldn't have known. You know, I, I say that to say that who can know? Who can know? We, we just don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. You know, again, you know, uh, before, before uh, you know, the, the mass killings in, in Germany, before the Holocaust, um, Germany was seen as the home of, you know, civilization, I mean, right. of Western civilization, you know, Jews who lived there, you know, felt themselves to be very, very much German. Um, and then you had the Holocaust. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, things are moving forward right now. Um, we'll see how long that holds. Right. You know, we have a period of roughly 50 years of, you know, mediocre, as far as I'm concerned, progress. Um, and one must match that against, you know, if you're talking about the long sort of stretch of African-American presence in this country, one must match that against 350 years. Um, yeah. So even if we get another 100 years of this, we're only 150 to 350. You know, I mean, we, that's part of the problem. People, you know, we, we don't understand how far down we are. You know, just imagine if you like went to the bank today and you owed like, I, you know, like you had a $500,000 deficit, you know? And then like you came tomorrow and you had a $450,000 deficit. Right. Well, you, you made some progress, dude. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you still made a whole big bank, it, right. but... You know, but man, you owe $450,000. Still, <laughs> you know? still tight. Right, right. And the, so the question is like, you know, when people ask me that question, what they're saying to me is, do you think we'll pay that $450,000 <laughs> down on that bank? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I hope so. And you don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> right, exactly. right now. <laughs> you know, that was one thing about your article. You didn't really have any solutions other than you did, you know, say that there needs to be more debate, more discussion, more research done into this issue. 
But right now, what are something that Brown or any people can do, anyone listening to Fan Bros can do to, you know, further this cause or at least get more of a discussion going on reparations? Right. The first thing they can do is educate themselves, you know, and, and read, you know, and I, you know, that's, that's, I, we leap over that all the time. You know, I wrote the article. I had a, you know, a list of books that I went through that helped me formulate that article. You know, I think people should, you know, read, you know, I think especially, I think more people should read about the Civil War. I think people should read James McPherson's battle cry of freedom. I think people should read about housing in this country and how, you know, the New Deal actually happened in this country. Burl Satter's book, um, God, I'm blanking on Burl Satter's book, Family Properties, which is about, you know, how housing in this country actually happened. Um, I think that's the first thing, you know, because I think if you want to be, you know, a, a good citizen, you have to be an educated citizen. I think the second thing and the most practical thing is each of us have Congress people, you know, and you should call your congressman and urge them to support our Congressman Conyers bill to study reparations, you know, um, it, it's just essential. It's absolutely, absolutely essential. So, you know, I think that's where it starts. I really do. And then some of this, I have to say, is out of our control. You know, I, I really, really believe that. I mean, this is, again, one of the tough things that people, you know, have to, you know, get their heads around. But in America, in America, progress on, in terms of when you're talking about, you know, the long war against racism has mostly been made um, when something else outside of our control has happened. And usually that force has been violent. I mean, it's almost always been war. So if you say, how you know, did it come that, say, in, in the north of this country, uh, we ended slavery? How did that happen? Well, that comes directly out of the Revolutionary War. How did it come that you know, during this entire country, we ended slavery? Well, that comes out of 600,000 people dying, 20% you know, of, of the military-age white population in the South dying during the Civil War. How did it come that, you know, we had a civil rights movement? Well, that comes directly out of World War II and the Cold War, you know, and, and, and the death that came out of Nazism. So there are always these events that are outside of our control that usually provide a window for us to actually do something. Um, our responsibility is to be prepared, but we can't control the window when the window opens. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. And welcome back, fam bros, to a very special episode with Mr. Tanahasi Coates. Um, so I want to get back into a little to, I don't uh, to Twitter and TV and all the craziness in between. I have to ask you: Have you caught either Empire or Power? No, I haven't. I haven't. Because Empire basically came on when I was on my way over here, and I don't have a TV, so I guess Power's on Netflix somewhere. So I guess yeah. I should just try to watch Power, but I haven't. No. Why should I? What should I be watching? Or should I be watching both? Um, <laughs> uh, that, that's that part of the, good. Let's just be straight here. That's part of the good? that's part of the question. I like power. It's entertaining. I like I like Empire too. It's also wait, wait, but is it good? Listen, good is relative. <laughs> Listen, do you feel like it's good? Good, I mean, good as in entertaining. Yes. No, no. <laughs> or, like, I, look, I'll, I'll watch Real Housewives of Atlanta from time to time. I find it entertaining. Right, it doesn't um, mean it's good. But it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our question, right? Like, do, do black people have to, can we just do things that are entertaining, or do we have to, you know, like, speak for the people every time we open our mouth? No, I mean, I, that is just, you know, I think in large part, that's just a reification of racism itself. I mean, mm. I, I think, you know, if it's bad, I don't feel like that's any disservice to the people. You know, <laughs> I don't feel like that way, you know. Um so I guess you guys feel like it's kind of trashy but good, but from a trashy but entertaining, is that is that where we're at? See, see, this is my problem, and it, and it, and it goes right into what you say. Like, 
we like a lot of different things. Like we do, everything doesn't have to be an episode of Roots. Everything doesn't have to be a documentary about you know <laughs> the, the 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 trials and tribulations of of black people. At the same time, not everything has to be ratchet but my thing is if you look at any other cultures they have the whole spectrum of of all of that but the problem is not everyone example white culture not they don't have to deal with the backlash of that like there's just buffoonery tv out there that is made by white people and it's fine because that's considered buffoonery tv and that's fine it people don't look at all white people in that lens whereas when you have stuff like love and hip-hop on on tv then mm-hmm. it was like oh the black women y'all really act like that like white people don't think that <laughs> or, or like we don't think that, or the majority of the world doesn't think that most white people are duck dynasty yeah but, like but we you know at the same you know if they thugs and hoodlums you know it's not there's not enough examples of us on tv right. to come right 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 and I, and I would agree with that i think if anything that that's 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 the actual problem it's not I mean, I, that's examples. the real problem right there. I mean, the problem is that there's a lack of representation, you know, but I, I, I'm always against the idea. I mean, I felt like this about girls when um, Lena, Lena Dunham was getting all that. I mean, I don't really watch girls, but um, girls ain't for me. You know, at least, I mean, maybe it is. I guess I felt like it wasn't for me, but, and that's okay. That's okay, right? Like, it don't have to be for me. The real problem is that <clears throat> there ain't shows out there really, you know, uh, for, for other folks. You know, there's just this sort of one lane that people are in. Um, but, you know, I'm always sort of against, like, this idea that, it's it's a bad idea to make art representative, you know, in that sort of way. I think that's that's just a horrible idea. But then you have okay, like my one thing, like I like Girls as a show. You know, the, it's pretty mm-hmm. entertaining. I've never you know, seen an it can be well written at times. You know, Donald Glover was great on it. But then mm-hmm. it takes place in Brooklyn, and although Brooklyn is being gentrified out of the frame, it's still Brooklyn, and Girls is like in this alternate timeline. You know, uh, Twilight Zone world where it's Donald Glover. It's probably one of, if not the only black person who's been on there. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a weird thing, though, because that's also like the world of friends and the worlds of sex in the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are not the New York that anyone that I know knows or lives in. They're these fake sort of things that are meant to <coughs> bring people here. White, maybe those are white people that we don't know. Maybe that's the point. Right. There's a door past the white people who you know. Like, maybe that's how it is, you know? And I mean, I, even we've got the Woody Allen movies represent that a little bit, too, to a certain degree, going back into the 70s, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, the, those things are not there, there's nothing real about those New Yorks <laughs> in, in, in Friends and, 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 and Girls and Sex and the City. And I think they contribute to the gentrification. They act like just commercials. You feel like that about girls? You feel like it's not New York? Hell no. I, I feel like there is a a a part Bit. of New York, like some part of like Greenpoint or Williamsburg that it, it represents, but it it's 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 definitely not the I mean, I've lived in New York my whole life and I rarely travel. In the last decade I've been outside the city maybe, you know, a month out of the last ten years and I you know, the that that whole world that's just what they focus on in girls. I watch girls, but I watch it more like I watch aliens, you know? Mm. I mean, it's like... <laughs> They're on another planet. Yeah, I mean, you know... It's science fiction. Yeah. Oh, uh, mm. yeah, but also, speaking of science fiction, uh, I was reading on your blog that you didn't... Well, I don't know if you've changed this now, but yeah. at the time, you did not go see the Avengers or the new Star Treks. Did that... So, what have I seen? I did see the Avengers. I did go see the Avengers, and okay. I did enjoy that. Okay. Um... <clears throat> I didn't like the new Star Trek. 
I didn't see the second one, but I didn't really like the first one. And I didn't go see it. I eventually saw it. I really didn't like the, the new Star Trek. I couldn't do it. Did you see both or just the, the first Just the one? first one. Just the first one. Um, and, I, and I think it's like a directorial style that he has. He, you know, it's a very, like, I, I like... Um, You're not into lens flare? Into what? The lens flare? You're not into it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's also, it just feels like so... Um, like he's so jerky, like you know what I mean. Yeah, like everything, you know, it's argument. always quick, rapid fire. This happens, this happens, this happens, you know. And I kind of like. I mean, this is why, like, I will ride forever for the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, I just, you know, like like settling into the story and just like let me let me just like get into the story. I mean, in that way, you know, all, like the powers and you know the fact of fantasy is almost secondary to me. You know, I, I like being able to just sit in the story for a little while. Even the third one, even Bane. That's a great film. That's a great film. Wow. I, 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 you know, I get now, and I'm prepared. I'm prepared to get in a fight here. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready. Wow. I come the, I, I, the third film. Mm. I, I wow. Third. I actually think I actually think the third film is significantly better than the second film. I think the second film is pretty weak, actually. What? <laughs> See, I, I've actually always said that I think it's all about the Joker's performance. That's about it. Is. That's, what, that's all it is. It's not me. It's a but film, the movie's flabby. Yeah. Right. I mean, there are too many damn endings. I mean, yes. It's just, you know, but the jo- you're right. I mean, Heath Ledger obviously did his thing. He killed it. Yeah. But as a film, I mean, eh. uh, I, But see, then as a third the one, third what do you one? have what other the... than Bane's great voice? like? And his dope Sherling jacket. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, that Sherling was hot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got, you got what you call it. My girl, she did a thing. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman. Man Hathaway. She yeah. killed that role. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she but Bane, Bane went out kind of weak, too. That's it. I mean, I I didn't like the third one like that at all. <laughs> I love it though. And that plane scene. Oh, the opening plane scene is really dope. I yeah, that's dope. That's oh, dope in the dope. beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that was crazy. hot. That was yeah. hot. <laughs> Me and my wife just text each other like lines from that scene. <laughs> now it's not the time for fear doctor. about me before I put on the mask. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's hilarious. So we, I so. Okay, so you seem a little more interested in like the Avengers and all that. So has, at this point, has Marvel created more of a longing for you for the next movie? Like, do you now care? Are you more invested into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, so let me, let me just just to close out on the on the on the, on the yes. Batman. I just want to say that I, also I'm just a, I'm a Christopher Nolan stand. I, I think I'm just going to say that at this point. Um, so any so I, I'm not like objective. I saw Interstellar. Interstellar is very divisive. I love Interstellar. I love it. Yeah, I did too. I loved it. Okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I love you. Memento. I love um yeah yeah I love all of those. I love Inception. Um, the Prestige. That's my prestige. favorite. The Prestige yeah. is really great. Prestige, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Prestige, oh, yeah. I think that's his best film. Yeah, actually. me too. I think Memento. That and Memento. I yeah. love Memento. Memento fucked me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in terms of Marvel, I feel like. <sighs> I mean, it's almost not fair, right? I'm gonna always prefer the comic books. That's I just, okay. That's, you know, no, that that's that's a fair assessment. And that's not like um, I don't even think that's a slight against the films, you know. Um, Is that comics, where you were at when you were, uh, or who you were when you were reading the comics, or? Fred, do you guys read uh, the crossover? What's the Great X Men crossover? It was about three years, three or four years ago. It was longer than maybe five years. Um, Second Coming. You guys read that? No, that's is that the one with Vulcan, <sighs> with his it's, brother? No, it's the one where. Uh, um, Damn, it's not Nimrod. I can't remember who it is. Basically, the Sentinels come back. They're no mutants. Hope is like, you know, uh, they're trying to hide Hope from getting yep. killed. It's incredible. I mean, if y'all ain't read Second, y'all got Marvel Unlimited, right? Y'all got the app, right? Yep. I mean, more fan bros. Everybody should have yep. that app. <laughs> okay. 
read that, read that, that crossover. It's sick. I mean, it's just really, really sick. And you couldn't do it in film. And I don't mm. even want to see it in film. But I actually don't, you know, like if you think about it, like think about like the X-Men films and how like they did Storm, right? I mean, and how like those I mean, they films. They did dirty. But, but that, I think that's the director's fault. I don't think that's the fault of Marvel as a cinematic movement. Okay, I, let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this, then. Let me ask you this. Don't they have to, like, in film, because you, you're so constrained by time, don't you have to latch on one or t- onto one or two characters in a way that you really can't, in like, like, yeah. or the way that you really don't have to in comic books? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Not Marvel, because Marvel doesn't even own Storm. Right. That's yeah, that's, right, right, right. But, um, yeah. I, I, I yeah, think. yeah, no, that's definitely true. And they chose Wolverine and Professor X or and Kitty yeah. Pride. Yeah, and then Magneto, I guess. Now, I mean, yeah. those are, I mean, that's that's really the story, and, and it's so different because, like, um, I mean, listen, I, I heard my age in the X Men, like, <clears throat> right, like Mutant Massacre, where they go to Australia for that long period of time, which some people sort of hate, but like, that they could just go like that. I mean, you have whole issues just on one character, you know what I'm saying, and not just on Wolverine, you know, like it might be like a you know, like, or three issues on, like, Storm trying to get her powers back or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that was, like, the era of, like, an issue where it's just Storm and Rogue. I mean, there's so much, like, deep storytelling that you can do in comic books. That you can't do. Um, that you can't, or, or they yeah, won't and, do on, on And also, like, even, like, the spectacle, like, the artistic spectacle of comic books, I just have never, have I ever seen... Like some of the battles, like one of my favorite comic books is like Spider-Man beats like beats the hell out of Fire Lord. Ah, I was talking about that like two weeks ago. Can you do that in film, Ben? Not easily. No. They're starting to though. We but- have reached a point. I feel like where there's there, there's definitely stuff that you couldn't have shown in film that you could only have seen in comics that they're starting to do. But they're trying to. I mean, look at Guardians. In like the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy. Hulk punching that dragon in Avengers was like that was one of those moments I didn't think I'd ever see something like that on screen. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. did it for me. Like and with the TV stuff getting better, I feel like you've got the you can do you've got the best of both worlds though. That open Long world form. of 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 the comic book storytelling with the special effects and real people. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Tanahasi. Sorry. No, 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 not at all cuz the, the other question I would have for you guys is like um I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sure like like you guys when I was young, I was like, "Oh, it would be cool if there would be a movie, you know, about Spider-Man, about the X-Men or a TV show." Like I felt that. Hell yeah. But yeah. recently, like, I've been thinking, like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, what, what comes out of that is some sort of feeling that, like, there's some sort of, like, artistic hierarchy, that movies are somehow higher than comic books. Ah. Mm, okay. You know? And, like, it's, like, I don't know. As I get older, I feel like, you know what? Especially after the first two Hulk films came out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. I mean, oh. now that they got my man playing a Hulk, I do want to see. I do want to see a Ruffalo Hulk film, yeah. right. but just a Mark Ruffalo Hulk. Yeah, film. I would like to see that. Yeah, but not just a. You know, and then like, you know, I, like there's some, you know, a couple of those Spider-Man films are really good, but did it ever like measure up to what I felt like when I was like, like the sort of emotional feeling I got, you know, out of some of those comic books? I, I don't know that it did. Yeah. I don't know that it can. You know. And even like now, like, I mean, I feel you 100% because comics just have such an unlimited budget because like right now I'm reading Saga. I love it, but I don't want to see it as a, you know, a movie or even a TV series anytime soon. I don't know. You know, and since you mentioned people of color and we're talking about comics, we got to talk about Falcon and War Machine. We got to talk about the fact that also Black Panther, the fact that, you know, these are the candidates that are coming up as part of the first, you know, black on-screen Avengers. God, how it is really doing it, ain't it? Ain't it crazy? 
Jesus. I was just, just thinking about Chad. That's incredible. Hell wow. yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Right. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you. No, no, it's fine. But, but I, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's crazy. But also, you know, these are black characters, you know, powerful black characters. Do you think at this point the world is still kind of unprepared to take on their fear of black vengeance or the real-life black Avengers? Because, in fact, you have an article on The Atlantic where there was uh, called Fear of a Black Avengers. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you um, do you think the like I don't even want to say the world, maybe America, but do you think everyone's ready? It's tough to answer, you know. Yeah, um, it's tough to answer because the question is, first of all, like, do you, can they? You know, it's clear that, that, that white people will go see a black person in a starring role, right? As you know, in action here. I mean, Denzel, you know, does does that, right? Yeah, that's that's all he does, right? That's all he does right now. <laughs> <It's kinda laughs> he plays the same like character, 60, <laughs> like sixty, just keeping it tight. That's all he do right now, right? Um, the question, though, is, can the African-American experience be integrated into that? Mm. So not just an African-American face as a superhero, but can the actual experience of being black be integrated in that same way? That, 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 that to me, is like a deeper question. Like, I mean, is it going to mean anything that the Black Panther is, like, from an African country? Would I have any meaning? You know what I mean? Like, right. would, I, would, I, would I be... And I don't mean, like, meaning in terms of, like, you know, right fist in the air, make some sort of statement, but... Like, will that be part of, like, the artistry, actually? I want to know, will he ever say, you know, my country was never invaded, white man. You know, my people were never slaves. (laughs) Like, will he be black? Like, is it going to be Black Panther? Hey, here's the face Black Panther. Here's the the suit. Or is it going to be Black Panther, Panther. the ideology? The comic book Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, I will say that I was sorry. One thing I was sorry about, even in the first Avengers, was I wish they had picked a different lineup. I really do. You know, because mm. I felt like, I mean, all right, you got to have Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk. I like Hawkeye. I was, I, I don't know why I was less, you know, sure on Black Widow and Hawkeye. You know, like, I really wish, like, we had a went Wasp, um, the old Captain Marvel, who's got a new name now. I can't remember. Um, and I guess it's not even the old Captain Marvel, but she used to be Black. I think her name is Photon now. Photon, so. yep. Mm. Yeah, oh my God, I used to adore her. Yeah, no, but, that was like, the Captain Marvel we all came up with in the That 80s. was the Captain Marvel we came yeah. up with. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And um, I, I wish they had, you know, I mean, you can't hate on Scar Joe, but it's kind of like, well, you got a pistol. Like, right. <laughs> I know they didn't I, even I've give her her widow's that. thing. Right. right. I, I've always thought that, man. Just sort of like, okay, all right. You're going to have to make it, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> make it what you get. Right. Uh, the power and they that. fell down on Hawkeye. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They really fell down on the portrayal. Yeah. 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 Well, he's barely in the first film. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> he says that himself. Most definitely. All right. Well, you know, it's been a great interview so far, but let's take a quick break right here and we'll be right back with more fan bros. Hey, Chico Leo, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to subscribe to fan bros. Fan bros? What's that? It's the voice of the urban geek. The voice of the what? The voice of the urban geek. That sounds so cool. How do I follow that? Uh, You can go to iTunes or Twitter or the in, or the internet at large, and t- and look for Fanbro's show, and you can like, you can subscribe, and you can watch a lot of Star Wars. Chico Leo, do you use the internet a lot? And welcome back, Fanbro's, to a very special episode with Mr. Tanahasi Coates. Thank you again for joining us in the spaceship today. Thanks for having me. I hope you're having a great time with us. We're having a great time with you. You grew up in Baltimore, right? Son of a Black Panther, seven children by four different women. Mm-hmm. You're the only one who didn't graduate from college. That's right. Yeah. How, 
How many ass whippings did you take for being a gay? <laughs> uh, at home or out in the street? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> quite a bit. I mean, quite a bit. I mean, I'm. I'm it's funny. I'm. I'm writing about this right now uh, for a book that's going to come out in October. I guess I'm done writing. I'm, I'm responding to edits right now. And I think like um, one of the things that people don't understand about the African-American community is just like how much more violent it is than our other communities in this country. And, and, and that's just, that's just like, that's everywhere. That's in the house. Um, that's, you know, that's uh, out in the street. Um, you know, that's with the police. That's, that's everything. I mean, I think one of the things that happens is, you know, obviously and necessarily, I don't want this getting twisted the wrong way. I'm not mm-hmm. being Charles Barkley here, but obviously, you know, when, when the cops kill, kill somebody for, you know, obvious reasons that gets a, a particular kind of attention, but really, I'm going to tell you, it's a part of an entire, you know, environment of violence, you know, mm-hmm. that just sort of, you know, suffuses everything. And, you know, I think I wouldn't say it starts with parents, but, you know, as parents, parents are part of that because parents are so just so afraid for their children, you know, and I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, you guys <clears throat> likely were told as, as children, you know, uh, you know, listen, you do this or I'm going to kick your ass. I mean, that was the basic, you know, sort of sort of thing in my household. And that. I mean, my parents didn't really know any other way, you know? I mean, they really, really didn't know any other way. You know, I was living in West Baltimore at the time. Crack is everywhere. Guns is everywhere. You know, AIDS is, you know, around. You know, it was it was a really, really hot time. And people were just so afraid uh, for their children um, that they, they would do anything. You know what I mean? Any Anything, you know, to keep them, you know, on, on the straight and narrow. And I definitely came from a household like that. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. It wasn't that, it's not like, not to twist it, but it's just like, it came from a place of trying to protect your own. No, it's true. It's true. It is. It is. It is. And I'm not, I'm not comparing it to saying, you know, like on some level, I think it needs to be recognized as violence. And, you know, we got to hope for a day where it is. That's just not really a part of our, where, you know, right. the amount of violence in our lives are like other people. But, you know, having, because I see, you know, like, you know, people make all these jokes about how, like, white people don't beat their kids and white people don't do this and white people don't do that. But that's because they don't have to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's, that's actually false because I've seen it. Maybe because I'm right, from New York. It's <laughs> and it's false. Yeah. And it's false. But, you know, to the extent that there is some discrepancy, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of that is, you know, black parents tend to be so much more afraid, you know, and have so much more to be afraid of, frankly. Right. So you're talking right now, you had mentioned Charles Barkley. You're talking about black issues that really, you know, are, are very important and pretty much one of the tenets of black culture. So a lot of times, unfortunately, when you come to the media, you have people like Charles Barkley and Don Lemon, who, the, for obvious reasons, the media seeks them out to be the quote unquote voice of black people. And, but and that's unfortunate on many occasions. But fortunately, we also have people like you and others that are one of maybe like the top few people that are recognized as as um, black male personalities on cable news and things like that. So, like, how do you deal with being the voice of the people? At times, you know, they look at you and say, this is this man, this man, ta he's going to be the voice of black people everywhere. Like, yeah, I, I how do you feel very, about that? I work very hard to not be the voice of the people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's some people that think like Charles Barkley. There's some people that think like Don Lemon. I mean, you know, um, I, you know, I don't really have a problem with them out there, you know, speaking, you know, whatever they're speaking. Um, but I, I, you know... I do go on cable news, you know, I do, you know, interact in other, other forms, you know, I do do talks and everything, but I, I very much feel like at my core, I'm, I'm a writer and that, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be writing. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be that. That's my craft. 
you know, and every moment that I'm, you know, out there speaking is, is a moment that I'm not actually at home working on my craft or at home, you know, being with my family. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm deeply committed to, the, to those two things. I don't really have a desire to be, you know, a, a spokesperson in any sort of way. You know, first of all, I don't think black people need spokespeople, you know. Um, I think if you want to know, you can just ask, you know. Um, and I think the very fact that, you know, we sort of have to have that reflects like the distance, you know, in, in, in this country between black people and, 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 and mainstream America. But I, I, I don't know. I kind of recoil at that, you know. I mean, I, and I, mm. I, I'm lucky enough to, you know, have gotten, you know, some recognition. But whenever people say things like, you know, oh, he's top black writer on race or, you know, no other writer on race, I just, it's just sort of recoil. Like, my skin crawls a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, because I just, I mean, first of all, there's so many other people out there, you know, who are intelligent, you know. Charles Barkley and Don Lemon are not the end, you know, the end of it. And I'm certainly <laughs> not the end of it. You know, there are a lot of people that could be talked to. You know, um, so I just I just sort of recoil a little bit. But there is a space in journalism and, and, and on the Internet where, you know, you are one of the only uh, black voices out there um, amidst the sea of, you know, white voices on the left, on the right, in the middle. Right. Um, you know, in the, in the in the Atlantic. I mean, you, you've been there for a long time. I mean, have you right. seen have you seen any uh a significant change in, in, in the amount of voices? Yeah, I think I have. I think I have. So my, my, you know, for me, actually, it really starts in like the 90s. Like I, I really started writing in the mid to late 90s. And at that point, there, there really, really was no one. Um, but like, you know, like you got a Jamel Bowie at Slate and Adam Serwer at BuzzFeed, my, my good friend and, and Howard alumni, you know, Shawnee Hilton, who, you know, basically yeah, runs BuzzFeed. Right. BuzzFeed. I mean, that, that didn't really exist when I was starting. I mean, black people like that. That just, my buddy Jelani Cobb, also from Howard, who's, who's yeah. at New Yorker. I mean, he's another one. I mean, these people were not, like, around when, when, when I was, you know, really coming up and looking, you know, for folks to look up to. So, yeah, I actually do. I think there's much more now. Um, I remember I, got, I was away this summer, you know, to study French, and I came back. You know, these people on my Twitter stream, when are you going to talk about Ferguson? When are you going to talk about Ferguson? And it was like four or five black writers who I knew and very much respected, you know, and had platforms who were down there writing about Ferguson. Um, and we're doing great work, by the way. You know, and we're doing really, really great work. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I don't know. Whenever people say, you know, you know, or, you know, try to, you know, compliment me within that category, I just, I sort of recoil just a little bit because I'd say, you know, look, you need to learn the category a little better. Yeah. Because um, there are people within that category that I look up to, you know, who I, you know, take take inspiration from. Okay, speaking on that, on your beginnings and everything, you went from, you know, Howard University, writing for local papers down there in D.C., to now being on Colbert and discussing race with him. How does that feel, you know, going from where you were, and how did you, <laughs> you know, make that transition? Like, how does it feel now to be sitting there and geeking out with Colbert, you know, one of the biggest geeks of the world? Yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre. I mean, it's interesting to ask that question because I didn't try to, like, I wasn't, like, consciously thinking about, like, trying to make a transition. Like, I just wanted to be able to write what I wanted to write. Um, and I, that really was all I was thinking about. And I didn't, you know, think, oh, one day this will end with Colbert, or one day it'll end with, you know, Bill, Bill Maher. That, that, that really wasn't where my head was at, you know? Um, I just, I, I wanted the freedom and I wanted the, you know, the power, I guess, to, to write what I wanted to write. Um, and then all those other things came with it. And it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like, wow, you know what I mean? To see it, it's like um, like side effects that I didn't really expect. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. Yeah, it, it hasn't quite sunk in all yet. There, there also was this inclusion in, you just didn't, you didn't just write what you wanted to write, but you included people. Like when you got interested in the Civil War, 
you know, you 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 were including people in in the books that you were reading, and you know when you got, I think, uh, you know, you got interested in in French, and mm-hmm. so you went over to France, and 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 by including people in that, I I, I feel like it's it's not just it's not just that you were able to do what you what you want, but there was like a sharing going on. Uh, or sharing of the experience anyway, a shared experience. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's true. And I think like part of that is because um, like I, like within, I think um, mo- most people's minds, like writers are, you know, and maybe to some extent they are, you know, but not by much, like writers are considered smarter or they, you know, somehow know something, you know, more than other people. And I, I guess that's kind of true, but I, you know, I, I, that's not really part of my identity, you know? Like yeah. I, I was not a good, school student at all like not like not in you know elementary school not in middle school not in high school um I was not a good student at, you know at Howard you know I just um I, I so I don't really have that right but what I was all, the whole time was I was I've always been insanely curious though I've always just been really really insanely curious and so you know you you get me you know in front of a bunch of people that I can just ask questions from who know things and, and I think like that was the advantage like it gave me the privilege of asking people's people questions you know, um, it's very funny because they think they're coming to you, you know, to hear you. And, and you know, they don't really understand a lot of times I'm, I'm coming in them to hear them, you know. Um, so that that was sort of natural for me. You know, I've always asked a lot of questions. So, you know, having people around, you know, and not just having, you know, the books or, or the, the language on paper to consult and to be able to consult live people is good. And frankly, I think... Um, a lot of writers in this business, I mean, we had this term that I sort of recoil at public intellectual and... Um, so like, you know, you have like what happened in France, you know, here yeah. in Paris, yeah. you know, you have something yeah. like that happen, right? And everybody in their mama that's an expert on like five other issues got something to say about it, you know? Um, and, and some people better better than others, but like that that kind of person, when I came in, that was exactly the kind of person I did not want to be. Mm. You know, I very, very much wanted to, <clears throat> you know, stay in my lane. And when I said something about, you know, something else that might seem outside of my lane, I was, you know, my feet were going to be firmly planted on the ground. You know, it wasn't going to be me just, you know, sort of riffing, you know, trying to show you how smart I was. Right. See, now, nowadays, uh, you really can't talk about public intellectuals without bringing Twitter into the mix because Twitter is really like the soundboard of the world right now. And I actually follow you on Twitter. I think you're very engaging on Twitter. And I know that you, a lot of people use it as a means to, you know, either get into the conversation or just spread more knowledge and information. And Mm -hmm. at some one point, you actually kind of ignored Twitter. And then, you know, I, for one reason or another, you decided, you know, now it's time to, you know, put your voice out there on it. So one, what made you change and decide to to engage on Twitter? And then two, I noticed your Twitter is just full of geek stuff. So <laughs> what what made you want to get into I that? I mean, that's who I am, right? Like yeah. I just and, I, and I've always, you know, I mean, I've always been that way, you know, mm-hmm. and I, um, I just won't. I mean, I'm going to be who I'm going to be, right? right? I mean, that's, that's the first thing. I, I think, though, like, I have, like, a love-hate thing with Twitter. I, I actually adore Twitter. I really, really love it. And um, I, I think it's a great innovation. It, it has become hard for me, and it's getting hard, you know? Like, even, like, here, like, I've been engaging a lot less. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to continue, like, less engagement. It might well continue. Um, because <clears throat> one of the things that, that does happen, I'm going to tie this back to the question of what does it feel like, like, to be, like, you know, up there with Colbert is people start to like assume things about you. Um, mm. and like, not even like, you know, bad or stereotypical things per se. Like they assume you are a wise person who has things figured out or they assume, you know, if they don't agree with you, they assume that's how other people see you. And that kind of shapes how, how, how they approach you. Yes. Um, 
And so it, it kind of makes it hard to have like organic conversations because that's always in the background. You know, they don't, they don't, even though, you know, theoretically the medium is equal and, you know, anybody can talk to anybody, people don't really see you that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, kind of, you know, steers their questions, you know, in, in a certain way. People start asking you to write about things and they say, well, why? You know, I had this woman the other day, well, why didn't you write about this? Why didn't you, you know, tweet about that? And it's like, you know, it, 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 it makes it very difficult. <laughs> It's kind of like they expect you to be in that particular box. But then, you know, like we just said, you're also a geek. Like Twitter is is an extension of yourself. And part of yourself is this person who's on Colbert talking about geek stuff, right? By the way, when you were on Colbert, did he let you hold the Captain America shield? No, he didn't. (laughs) I didn't ask, though. I didn't ask. I wasn't a Captain America dude growing up, so. It wasn't really that impressive. (laughs) No, I mean, he was okay. I mean, I didn't have anything against <laughs> Captain America. I wasn't against some of those, you know. I, no, I actually, I guess I have not gone back and read any Captain America books. I was getting ready to say, you know, some of the stuff I went back and reread, but I haven't. I wasn't a real Captain America. I wasn't a huge Captain America dude when I was a kid. But you were definitely Marvel over DC. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I bought two DC comic books when I was a kid, like one Teen Titans issue and maybe a Justice League issue. That was it. Yeah, no, no the, their, their Teen Titans was the yeah. only thing that was competing with the X-Men. Yeah. yeah, I mean definitely. it's funny too because I never understood why. Like I don't, I didn't make a conscious decision to not get into DC. I mean, I, and and it seemed like I would have because I watched like Super Friends a lot when I was a kid. So right. it seemed like it would be a natural feed. And Marvel at that time, their cartoons weren't like I mean they got it more in the '90s, but in the you know in the '80s, they, it was mostly like Super Friends and that sort of thing. I don't know why I went to Marvel. It's so weird. Do you think that it has something because it's like we wanted to ask you about also? It's like most people associate the X Men, you know, with civil rights. And yeah. DC really didn't have that to me. That's why, like, I got more into Marvel was that. But were you thinking about that when you were a kid? Were you conscious of that? No, nah, but it just felt a little bit more grounded. You know, it was like Superman. I like Green Lantern and I right. like Flash kind of, but Wonder Woman, Superman, all of them, they just felt like some, you know, they were really. They were gods. They were Wonder Bread, too. At the other <laughs> and side they were Wonder Bread. Yeah, they were Wonder <laughs> Bread. They were gods kind of outside kind the of realm. Wonder- the Marvel yeah. characters have problems. Like anybody can identify with Peter Parker's problems, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, do, does Bruce Wayne really have problems? You know, nah. not really. In well, I mean, dead parents, yeah, yeah. dead parents, <laughs> yeah. which eventually everyone can identify with. Yeah. Like, true, true. But I like, you know, I like Storm and all that. So, but my question is, like, what was it that brought you? You know, where you realized that? What was the moment that brought you with geekdom? You know, with politics, with race, with seminative for you. So, like, the question I have for you guys is, like, when y'all were growing up, did y'all think of yourselves as, like, geeks and nerds? Did y'all have that as an identity? I was so, like, okay, like I saw in an interview with you where you were talking about how it wasn't until you got to Howard that you felt like there were other black people like you. And I knew a couple of black people like me, but right. there weren't many. You yeah. know, like, the masses would be like, yo, what's up with Ben? You know that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I personally, I always knew I was different than a lot of people because like Ben, like through, through, you know, elementary school, middle school. And I went to Howard as well. I, even there, like there weren't, I, I met more people as like myself, but it was still a small subset of the greater whole. So I, I knew I was different, but I guess when I got older and met more people and I got a larger social right. net, then that's when I realized, okay, this is okay. Not to say it's okay, but you know, this is, there's a lot more people like you. So yeah, it's funny. Like I did a lot of, you know, typically like geek nerd things. I mean, I played Dungeons and Dragons. I had a Commodore 64. I used to program. I loved comic books. <laughs> but like, 
but like I also really liked sports and I really liked hip hop and I, you know, I really liked the girls. I mean, so it was weird. It's only, I, in fact, I would only say it's probably only in the last five years. And a lot of that is, you know, probably because of Twitter and probably because of the blog that I really started to think of myself that way. Mm. Like it wasn't, I mean, I did feel I was different, but I felt I was, I probably felt I was different for other reasons. Mm. Um, I mean, I knew I was, me and my brother were the only people that played Dungeons and Dragons. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. Like... There, were, there were a bunch of kids that played that, that that collected comic books. I did know more kids that collected comic books. Yep. I knew yeah. we was the only people with a Commodore sixty four. Everybody else had Atari um, and ColecoVision. I do remember that. I, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, but see, it's also I would imagine for you as well. There was just varying levels of geekdom as well. Like, yeah, everyone may have had. You know, you're going back to like the Commodore, but like bring it to like the nineties. Maybe everyone had a Super Nintendo or a Genesis, but. Right. Not everyone was sitting there talking about, you know, how many bits it has, how many, you know, what's the frame rate, you know, like, like, like getting deep into the mix of what makes these games or what makes these characters. How is that different with how obsessive people get over hip hop? And Ben, it isn't. I would argue what sample was from when, how he chopped this and did that. I mean, I mean, that's a music nerd. Like, I wouldn't argue, I, I would argue that is really one and the same. And that's why hip hop meshes so well with geek culture. And right. that's what makes, and that's what makes you Tanahasi a fan, bro. And that's what makes this show <laughs> work so well because, you know, there's a slew of people just like this who don't really fit into any one world. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Cool. Let, me, let me push you a little more on that. Yes. Is there a difference between that and people who can sit up all day and talk about sports in that sort of way? No. No. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. It's just that sports and music, maybe to a lesser extent, are like the normal culture yeah. right. of America. Yeah. While you know, if you say if you start talking about you know roll D twenty and save versus this or that, people are right. like, what? You know. But like, so so okay, so how long can it remain that way in an era where these guys are, you know, where you got like an Avengers movie and X-Men movies? Well, no, now they're definitely in the mainstream. I think what these guys are talking about is at a time when it definitely wasn't a mainstream. Like, you know, I, I think playing Dungeons and Dragons is totally looked at differently now as like, cute instead of weird like back yeah. then, like devil worshiping yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly and i mean i feel like the comic thing was probably more nerdy but i knew a lot i mean like i feel like the x-men and I, I i mean a lot of people came up reading comics and uh so i don't know if that that was it, it was more if you were really into like having a comic book you know in school was not necessarily like that bad, you know, but yeah, knowing but the Marvel it, universe, right? But whipping out yeah. eight different comics, and you know that that all came out this week. That probably was looked down upon. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I didn't. You know, I got. I gotta say, I didn't. And I didn't have an easy time, you know. But I had. Okay, so part of it is, I think, like, like the the, the specificity of, of of me, right? I already, I already had this funny ass name, right? So I had a weird name. My parents didn't really celebrate any holidays, so that was weird. Um. My dad was like this Black Panther dude. That that was weird. We were vegetarian until I was like 10 years old. That was weird. <laughs> so I had like 20 labels of weird already on me before I got to Dungeons. That, I, so, okay, right. now I'm talking my way into it. If you were to meet me, it was like five other questions you would have asked. 
What's up with Tanahashi? Where he's like, what's up with Ben? What's up with Tanahashi? Like, it was like five things you would have asked before you got to the Dungeons and Dragons and the comic books. Yeah, you see, know? And I feel you because I had like those same issues. Like I was reading that you said, you know, even though I'm a DJ now, as a kid, I had no rhythm. My jump shot was terrible. Right. You know, and so it was like, and then I was over here rolling D20. So it just wasn't, you know, there was no good looks in my direction, you know, as far as like, you know, the black community. It was just like, oh, come on, Ben, you know. Did you go up, were there white people around you? Yes, and and that's the thing. Like, and so with the white people, you know, they there was more of them who were in the Dungeons and Dragons, more of them who were in the comics, but so and they didn't play basketball, so I didn't really have you know that you know like issue with them where they were like oh you know. But at the same time, even there, I felt I don't know. It wasn't more until I came of an adult that I've really and like you said with Twitter and other things where it's like I feel like and with fan bros now that I feel like I can just be. Full out, yes, I'm a geek. This is what I'm about. Woo, 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 but not worry about, you know. How'd you feel the house? Um, you know, when you said that it was like New York, I, I felt that definitely at Howard was one of those places where you meet more people who are, you know, like you and you can find people even weirder than you. Like you said, you can find a black yes. person in the Marilyn Manson, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it could go, right? It, it can yeah. go. It goes every direction you would imagine at Howard. So there was like, yeah, okay, I could be more myself. But, but even, it wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, because you know Make Howard. It's not on a glo- global scale. Howard is still is a is a big small school. Howard is still like going <laughs> to a black church on Sunday. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it is. It is. And the yard is like a big fashion. So yeah. Know, so so like, there is still that. No, that's definitely true. All right. Why'd y'all go? What, did y'all? Did both of y'all? Why'd y'all go to Howard? Why'd y'all choose Howard? Who's interviewing who, man? <laughs> All right. I'm, no, just, I'm curious. No, it's see, fine. I'll, it's fine. I'm, no, I'm curious. I'll tell you why I'm curious in one second. Yeah. I went. Answer. I I, <laughs> I went to Howard um because of 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 I don't want to say just because of the name but because of the history behind it and the fact that I could get with because I want to mix schools but I also it was my majority white schools so I wanted to be in a situation where I could be learn really learn more about my history the black culture in America uh, the black diaspora and be with more people more like minded people if you will that are in the same within the same race within the same culture if you will whatever you want to say but also I just wanted to see like that I knew that there had to be more people like me like I knew that there were going to be other black girls that was into tech or geekdom or whatever you want to say so I I said you know let's let's give it a shot and hope for the best (laughs) Mm -hmm. mine is really mine is really short puff daddy you know, like pretty much it was just, you know, that era was happening right then. And, I you know, I'd heard of Puffy and I, I got there. It was that feeling. And also it was like a real short list, like she said, because I wanted to go to a black school. And it was a short list between Clark and Howard. And Howard just had that name, you know, just Howard. It just felt like this is where you need to be at. And boom. So. Well, yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Because I, I felt like, you know, I think I applied to one white school. Like, I just, and mm-hmm. like, I didn't grow I didn't grow up around any white people. That's the other thing. There was no white people around. Like, I think oh. that's the other factor. It was like none. Like, no, like, <laughs> none. Like, I don't even think, I mean, this is, I hope nobody takes this the wrong way. I don't even think, and this is just like because of how I came up, going to middle school, you know, going to high school, and then going to Howard. I never even took like a white girl's phone number. Like I never even like like we were not like in any sort of like and and it's not even like it wasn't possible. Like it just wasn't within the range of things that that were around me in my social circle. So I think that was the other piece. Like there was no other thing. Like it was like oh it's just here. And in fact it was not until probably I was like 20 years old and I started working as a writer that like I started. I mean that's still going on frankly. It's still happening now. But that was when I began to see oh 
oh, there are other worlds out there. I mean, you know, obviously I knew it was white people out there, but I didn't know really anything. I mean, and I knew, like, obviously that white people had created Dungeons and Dragons, but somehow, like, that didn't, like, register for me. I was thinking about this <laughs> the other day, like, how, like, I didn't really think about, like, Spider-Man as white. Isn't that weird? Do you just really light-skinned to you? No, I mean, no, he was white, but it was just, like, unimportant. It was, like, so unimportant. You think about his race. It was, like, that Spider-Man. No one, you would never, it would never come in your mind, oh, he's, you know, he's Latino, he's black, he's white, whatever. It was just, like, someone said, well, who's that guy? He's Spider-Man. But he's wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. Would you wear that? Would you think that about Superman? Like, would you ever think Superman? Nah, Superman's white. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm going to push it even further. I didn't think of Peter Parker as white. Like, it just. Right. Well, he's universal. Like it was like 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 the entire I would say the entire universe like that entire comic book when I was reading it I didn't feel like I was reading about white people and I'm not saying I felt like I was reading about black people I just did it just did not feel like part of what was going on it's weird you know what I mean and actually though I think it's a little bit profound though because I think it shows you like to how large an extent that something that we think of as natural as race is really. Right. Just, put on us you know like when i was dealing with the marvel universe i mean i i noticed i noticed that storm was black and i thought that was pretty cool but then after that like it was like okay <laughs> right know? like because I, I want i was just gonna say I, I and it's right to your point i wonder if it's because we've always well not always but for the most part we've lived in a sense of white is the normalcy like that's what it is and you wouldn't really question it you're just like okay this is the world i live in so it wasn't really a thing but it wasn't for me. Like, that right. was not normal for me. Like, that was not, I mean, I just, I mean, I was around black people. You know what I mean? And and not only that, I was raised by this dude who was like this militant quasi-black nationalist dude. So you think, like, I would have been like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, seriously questioning it. But it felt like, and I certainly questioned it in other areas. You know, like, I was always, like, really big into history. You know, why we don't have no black people in here? Like, within things that existed within the real world, I always questioned it. But somehow... It felt like in the world of fantasy, or in the world of comic books, I mean, it just didn't matter. And yet, like, so I'm playing Dragon Age. Well, I'm not playing it right now, but I was playing it before I left for France. And whenever I do that, I, well, not always. I shouldn't say always. But this time, you know, like, I created, my avatar was black. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man. I, I, I play Destiny. My avatar is a black woman, so. <laughs> <laughs> But your avatar on Twitter is a is a Civil War general, right? <laughs> who, who, yeah. Who, can you talk a little bit? Like, and you have this amazing quote about <laughs> "I'm gonna move on your works." What? Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about who who that is and 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 where you came up with that or where you got that quote? He's laughing. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 <laughs> it's funny because it's uh, it, people always are like, "Come on, man, come on." <laughs> so they're like, "Come on, man." Anyway, it's, it's Ulysses Grant, and I and I adore Ulysses Grant. Um, as a general, more than as a president, I imagine. <laughs> no, no, I actually adore him as a president, maybe more than I adore him. Wow. As a okay. Um, <clears throat> well, so I I, I kind of adore Ulysses Grant as, as a human being. Okay, Ulysses Grant did not come from a slaveholding family, um, but he married into a slaveholding family. Before the Civil War, he had one enslaved black person. He set the dude free before the Civil War without, like, having the dude buy his freedom, without being compensated for it. He just said, listen, go. And and Grant was not, like, wealthy. It was like he not Like, that dude was, like, worth something. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, I can't say I would have done that had I been Ulysses Grant. I mean, it's just sort of like if your, I don't know, car, or better yet, your house, if your house were human, and you were like, okay, no, you go and you fend for yourself. You just sort of walked away. I mean, there's a sub substantial... You know, investment, as horrible as that sounds. So he starts from there, 
he goes into the army and he's been, you know, ridiculed in the army. There are rumors that he's a drunk. And so when he comes back, he's not really taken seriously. And people kind of, you know, don't really, you know, like him. And there are all these, you know, glamorous West Point people, you know, in the East, you know, because he's fighting out, out West. Um, and Grant went to West Point, but he just didn't have the same sort of level of rap as these guys. And all he does is just kick everybody's ass. And he just kicks ass like everywhere. You know what I mean? Until like finally after they, you know, Lincoln goes through a series of generals and finally he brings Grant, you know, to the east and gives him, you know, command on our armies. And this dude is just like so like resolute. Like he's not like hearing anything. And that quote um, is from one of his first victories. <laughs> and what happened was there was a dude who he went, you know, uh, to uh, who he had gone to West Point with. And he had also fought in the Mexican-American War with. And they knew each other. They was right. like boys, right? But now they're on different sides. This dude's a southerner. And Grant... <laughs> Is, a, is, 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 you know, is, is fighting for the North. And basically, there's sort of this idea, you know, in, in during the Civil War, this kind of gentlemanly, you know, way that people should address each other. And there's all this code of honor and all this devout, just bullshit. And the guy, <laughs> the guy writes him, and Grant has him surrounded. And the guy writes him, and he says, no, I would, you know, in a very high-minded way, you know, oh, I would, I would like to, you know, discuss terms with you, you know, for my army surrender. And he thinks they're going to get together and smoke cigars together, and it's going to be a parade. And you know what I mean? Like, he thinks it's going to be this, like, you know, really debonair official thing. And Grant writes him this note. <laughs> he basically says, no terms. I propose to move immediately upon your works. Right. Like, I'm not even talking to <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I was to move immediately, immediately on your words. works. Oh, yeah. that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I just love that. You know, and so like when I write, like I try to, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I went to Howard University. I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Yale. You know, I'm here to move upon your works, and that's really. Right. <laughs> I like that. I think that's cold. Well, that, I love it. That's yeah. like Mob Deep before Mob Deep. You. I'm not here to smoke cigars. We ain't doing none of that. It's like, it's like Mob Deep before Mob Deep. It's a uh, moving on your wheat productions, like. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I really, I don't know. I felt, I felt very differently. Well, that's the whole problem with all of history, isn't it? That, that, that there's, that there's no, uh, you know, the, the winners write the, uh, you know, write the history or, or, or whatever, and that there is no objective history out there. Mm-hmm. No, no, there isn't. <clears throat> Absolutely. Is. That's, that's exactly right. And so I think it's like incumbent upon folks to, um, Really, you know, you know, be skeptical, you know, and read for self and, you know, gain knowledge, you know, themselves. I mean, and, and it's also like one of these reasons why I'm, I'm always just a little bit uncomfortable with people saying, well, we come for you to you for wisdom or we come to you for this. Or so somebody told me the other day, look to me for wisdom. And I told them, I said, don't look to me for anything ever, ever, because <clears throat> I'm just as subjective and self-interested as anybody else. You know, I, I don't you know, I have my own reasons for, you know, doing my own research and you should go and do yours. You know, I feel very strongly about that. All right, well, it's now time for our world-famous brat segment, our rapid-fire questions. We got ta in the house in the hot seat. Are you ready, sir? Yeah, let's go. All right. <laughs> I Co- like it. Confidence. All right, number one, Falcon or War Machine? War Machine. All right. All right, The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a question. Magneto or Professor X? Magneto. Uh, <laughs> Not Come turning the, you're not turning the other cheek, right? <laughs> I wasn't raised like that. I was a Malcolm <laughs> dude. Most definitely. Doom Patrol or the X-Men? X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> know your history. <laughs> Luke Cage or Black Panther? Luke Cage. Wow. Oh. Oh. I haven't heard Luke Cage in a long you know, time. No, just, just a quick comment. I know this was supposed to be rapid fire. No, you know, go he, ahead. 
he was like such a street dude when I was a kid and was kind of like over in this corner, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist. And what they've done with him, I mean, really Bendis, I guess, you know, over the past like 10 or 15 years, pretty remarkable. Like, he actually made him into a full-out character. It's pretty interesting. Most definitely. Gary Coleman or Emmanuel Lewis? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. said or nah. <laughs> okay, which fictional character death struck you the worst? So, um, the, the one that I'm thinking of actually is probably um, it didn't happen during my time, but because back then Marvel used to do the reprints, you know, I read about it. But Gwen Stacy's. Oh yeah, mm. Gwen Stacy's, and 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 you know, I, I I don't even know if I was alive when they killed Gwen Stacy. I'm not sure, but I definitely wasn't reading comic books and. The thing about that was through most of my, you know, glory years of reading comic books, for the most part, with the exception of some stupid clone stuff they did, they had kept her dead. Yep. And this is like my big beef with comic books. I think there's a strong argument for ending the policy of, of resurrection because I think like people actually can't do work dead. And she was such a strong literary device dead. As, you know, was the Green Goblin. I was so, I went through this period where I stopped reading comic books and I come back and Norman Osborn is alive. And I was just so sad because it was like that Gwen Stacy, Norman Osborn, the way they kept them dead and would constantly refer back, it made that book a classic. Like it was just classic. You know, it just existed somewhere in, in, in the ether where it was like, yo, this, this event is so big, it will never like, it will never be done away with. It will always have an effect on the universe. And after Osborne came back, it was like, ah, okay, maybe not. Yeah, I like the explanation. Definitely. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, that's tough. <sighs> Probably Star, Star Trek. Yeah! Oh, you were doing so well. It's, it's more, I mean, there's more to, like, get into. I mean, isn't that what it is at the end of the day? Like, I, it's just that, more to get that's into. True. That's, that's what I said. true. I mean, also, also, also... Them three prequels are awful. <laughs> right. Thank you. There's, Thank there's you. no denying that. Yeah. There's no... There, it is, I, I'm not an apologist. No, no. Oh, they're, my they're God. The it's so bad. Yeah. So, like, it becomes, like, really hard to just sort of, like, you know, hold on to them. It, it really does. Star Trek had some bad movies, but nothing yeah. like but those. But nothing yeah. to nothing the like that. awe-inspiring train wreck <laughs> of Jar Jar Binks. How could that be so bad? How could it be that somebody who didn't love... Like, somebody who loved that dude should have been, like... Yo, just just take a second. Yeah, just chill, bro. Yeah. Took his hand and said, "Neighbor, <laughs> shit." And how they just were all bad. How they didn't take his hand after the first <laughs> one, and then the, you know, and then the second one was bad, and then the third one was bad. That's what was so crazy. Is that PCP? They were just stunned by that point. Yeah. They were just watching the train wreck, like, whoa. That's why I kept going. I was like, all right, well, obviously that second one can't be as bad as that first one. Wrong. I feel yeah. like Natalie Portman, like if you're actually like in that movie, <laughs> like, oh my God, this is just. She said it ruined her for a while. She said yeah. directors didn't want to work with her. Did she say that? Yes, yeah. recently, recently. Just recently yeah. she said that. Like, director, she said I was saved. My career was saved because uh, somebody right before Black Swan or whatever gave her a chance. But it was like. Damn. She was like, yo, I was hurt. And like, didn't the kid who played Anakin oh, as a little kid? Oh, well, like, he got, well, he got on wiped off the face of the stuff. earth. Yeah, yeah. Where is he? Has he been anywhere since then? Hell no. no. Imagine if that's your sole credit. Right. <laughs> I mean, he did Literally. maybe yeah. one thing as a preteen, but. He's an adult now. Yeah. Too. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ugly. All right. Fresh Prince or The Cosby Show? Cosby. Wow, still. 
Yeah, still, I mean, it's a great. Remember, I, I, it's a, Cliff Festival is not Bill Cosby. Right. That's what I'm. There you go. There you go. There you go. There right. you go. Sit right there. I mean, and, and I think like this is very important to say. I mean, if I had to say, you know, not consider the art of everybody who was racist in this country, for instance. I mean, what what the hell? What am I going to read? I mean, it's so much that like if we start, you know, throwing art out for those reasons. Now, you know, there's another side to this. I mean, Bill Cosby was kind of selling himself. It was called yeah. the Cosby Show. I got yeah. that. I so got that too. Can't see it anymore. I understand that. But as as a work of art, I mean, I I, I think it's damn good. You know. It's, the, it's man, Cosby Show. It hurts me that there's, you know, all this trouble because, like you say, when you separate it from anything, it's, it's the Cosby Show. Like, yeah, it is. It is. Come right. on. Right, 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 right. But after this, I mean, I, I don't think people... Part of the problem is that white people, like, they see things and they just buy into it. I mean, it's like, like they just buy wholesale. I mean, people... <laughs> I mean, just totally, just totally. Like, I can remember when, like, the Obamas get in the White House and people are saying shit like, we haven't seen anything like this since the Cosby Show. What? <laughs> wow! I didn't know that. That's so I mean, racist and so great. That's what people are saying. And it's like, it's not comparable. That's it's not, it's, one is not the other, man. It's oh. not the same. My God. All right. Uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern, or John Stewart, TV host? Mm. <laughs> oh, you stopped me on that. Yeah, that's the toughest one. That is the toughest one. John Stewart uh, TV show, a uh, uh, Green Lantern, but actually because of the TV show, because of the way on uh, with Bruce Tim, Tim did him. Most definitely. Those Justice League, those, those are incredible. Oh Lord. He had two black writers on there, as I recall, too. He had um, James Tucker and uh, the brother who died. Who Frank I Frank McDuffie. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 and that I thought that like you really could actually see it in the show, like you could feel it, and I don't, Hell mean, yeah. you know, like it was just in it, you know what I mean? Stuart that's, a, was, that, that's Stuart was a brother on that show, like yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was, and it was just a, um, that was a beautiful show. I mean, that whole, in fact, that whole run, that whole Bruce Tim run is just legendary. I mean, I just if you take it from like the first Batman all the way up to Justice League Unlimited, that 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 is incredible. I actually don't think it get the props it deserves. That was just incredible. Trust me, I rant and rave about it on this show whenever I get a chance. Like, it's ridiculous. It, and even it's Young ridiculous. Justice after that, which isn't Bruce Tim, but still carries influences. So know. I haven't seen Young Justice. Ooh. I guess I gotta see it, huh? Man, listen, dog, you'll yeah, love you it. You got it. You gotta see. You'll it, love it. It's right up there. I it's love right it. Right up there. Right. All right, we're coming down in the end. If you can have any one superpower, what would it be? You know, I, it's funny. Like I used to read the New Mutants, and Cipher was the corny one because he could uh, Doug Ramsey, like he could understand any language, and that was corny. <laughs> Yo, um, well, it can't be as corny as talking to fish. When, <laughs> yeah, right. But I tell you what, I tell you what, I would take that right now. No, I believe it. <laughs> I would take that right now. And not only like, yo, y'all got to read Second Coming because he flips it in Second Coming and uses it in a totally, totally different way. Yeah. It's great. It's I, I think that's a great power to be able to speak any language. So wait, yeah. technically Doug Ramsey could talk to fish though, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Talk, that's a language. <laughs> yeah, he could talk to anything. Yeah. Although I don't know the fish, but he could talk to whales. They have, and dolphins. Ooh. They have a song. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and speaking of Doug Ramsey, uh, when people ask me what's my worst character death moment, it's him, dog. That was like- that was they didn't do it right either. I feel like they didn't give him what he deserved. He you know? got he got shot and dies in the corner by himself. It was like, the, and, oh, and, my, I was so hurt. Yeah, and it, it's funny. I mean, I kind of love that and kind of hate it. Like, I, I love it because as a kid, like, you're confronted with that. I think I'm yeah. like, oh, so, like, yep. young. But at the same time, it's like, man, he deserved better than that. <laughs> that. That's what made it so great because it was like, he, you know, he was just trying to help. 
He gets <laughs> shot. Nobody even knows. He dies in the corner. It's just like. And they just find him dead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. It still hurts. Yeah. Uh, so, are we continuing with the Brown? Okay. Lex Luthor or Luther Vandross? Luther Vandross. <laughs> Luther Vandross continues to get the love. Y'all don't like Lex? Nah, just not. Lex score? No. All right. And finally, what is your greatest personal moment? Um, gotta be when my son was born. Nice. Oh, That's awesome. yeah. and I just, I just don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything. I'm like trying to be contrary and think of something else. I'm actually, <laughs> right. I don't want to like just sit there. But no, I don't think there's anything bigger than that. No. Nah, definitely. All right, well, Tana Hasi, you have survived the Brap segment and you survived the Fan Bros Show interview. <laughs> Thank you once again for blessing us on the spaceship. Uh, where can the people find you at? Uh, on Twitter, at Tana Hasi Coates. Uh, it's just at Tana Hasi Coates and also at The Atlantic. Um, well, all right. Most definitely. Anything else you want to let the Fan Bros know before we get out of here? No, that's it. Just thanks for having me, guys. Uh, no, thanks man. for coming. Yeah, thank yeah. you again. You know, it's been an honor and a pleasure, brother. It has. Always. H-U, okay. you know. H-U, there it is. <laughs> there it is. You know it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again, Tanahasi, for joining us here on Fan Bro Show, award-winning Fan Bro Show. This has been your boy, DJ Benjamin. Tatiana, anything before we get out of here? My birthday. Uh-oh. Turn up. Turn up. The whole month of January. That's right. We got to do it. It's going down. All right. Parties every weekend. Capricorn City. Going up on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> of course, do remember, subscribe to us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on SoundCloud, visit fanbros.com each and every day. There's news, articles, and more podcasts to listen to. And what about Stitcher? Stitcher, all that. Right. You know, don't forget. Do you use the internet a lot, Chico Leo? <laughs> <laughs> on occasion. Fan